This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 236. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, this evening joined by Mr. Jacob Paulson. How do you, Riley? Thanks for having me, dude. What's going on, man? Oh, you know, same old shooting stuff, selling stuff. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, it's the name of the game, right? So tonight we have a special episode brought to you by the Concealed Carry Gun Tools app. It's our own very app, available for free right now in the Apple Store, the App Store, and also in a Google Play Store. So head on over to the app, to whatever app store you prefer, search Concealed Carry, Concealed Carry Gun Tools, Download the app, totally free. Uh, one very valuable thing you'll find in the app right now is that you can get a very simple, easy to understand 50 state law summary for all the different states that you might be traveling through this summer. So download the app, pull that up, check out your law summaries, and while you're at it, you can pull up your very own customized reciprocity map for your permits. Check out the app today, totally free. We don't expect much from that other than we hope that you use it and we hope you enjoy it. Head on over to concealedcarry.com forward slash app, A-P-P. And so with that, without further ado, we're going to jump right into it because we have a special interview tonight with a special guest and I don't want to delay. So, and we definitely appreciate him being a part of the Concealed Carry podcast this evening uh, because he's a busy dude <laughs> and this took a lot of a lot of coordination to get him on uh real quick though we are going to also have our special guest on tonight in about two a little bit less than two hours now on this month's guardian nation live broadcast and so let me introduce to you now mr eric frohart hello eric hey how are you doing good hey man we appreciate you uh, being on the uh, program with us tonight yeah, absolutely. Uh, happy to be here. Thanks for thanks for working with my crazy, <laughs> crazy schedule. I think all of our schedules are are pretty crazy. So yeah. it, you know, it, it's definitely you know the way it goes, and especially when you're a family man like yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Lots of stuff in the air at the moment, um, and a busy job. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, busy job. I think is probably putting it lightly. So. <laughs> yes. Eric, you, you've got quite a background, uh, and, and I, I su- suspect we'll talk about some of that, you know, here tonight. But right now, you are the director of education and training for the NRA, and uh, I, I imagine right. that comes with, with quite a load. Yeah, yeah, no, it, uh, I'm director of education and training for the uh, for the National Rifle Association, and uh, it is, you know, it's a busy job, but uh, I really enjoy it. Um, I love, uh, you know, I love the challenge of it. I love, uh, a job that gives me, you know, purpose and, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, like I said, like you said, I was in the military for a long time and I'm now kind of back to, you know, in a way getting to serve my country. So, yeah. uh, really enjoy it. Yeah. Awesome. So since we're kind of on that subject, Eric, can you 
give us a little bit of your uh, background. Uh, so we know you were in the, in the U.S. Navy. You were yeah. Navy SEAL. How did someone, so how how did someone that go, go from there to here, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, so I was uh, I was in the military for almost 12 years, uh, a SEAL for most of that period, and uh, was medically retired um, at the beginning of 2010. And uh, during that time, obviously, as a SEAL, I got to uh, – experience uh, a number of different uh, you know firearms training courses and uh, got to try a bunch of different things and uh, like other seals uh, we went to a lot of different shooting academies shooting schools uh, individual instructors things of that nature and we took a little bit uh, a little bit from each one and uh, applied it to our environment right and um, it worked uh, you know, we learned a lot from competitive shooters and shooting academies and law enforcement and other military types uh, and kind of built our own, you know, our own kind of system. And uh, so I had an opportunity to do that. Thanks to, uh, you know, all of your uh, listeners that are taxpayers and uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, After, after I got medically retired, I moved to Denver and uh, not, we kind of just moved here because uh, my wife's family was here. And, uh, at, at first what I did was some, uh, some security consulting, uh, for some different families or businesses or things like that. I didn't really know what, you know, what to do. Like a lot of people in the military don't, uh, and I was medically retired. So I didn't get, uh, that in the military, we would call it a twilight tour, right? Where you get mm-hmm. like three years of shore duty to kind of get your degree and figure out what's next. Um, I found out. I think it was six months before uh, a deployment that I couldn't actually it was like three months before a deployment. I found out I couldn't go. Um, and then shortly after that, I was medic- medically retired. So uh, didn't, you know, didn't know what to do to pay the bills, did some security consulting uh, that, that allowed us, uh, me and my business partner to meet people uh, that would ultimately lead to us uh, raising money from some of them. Uh, mentors and business, you know, investors and such uh, that allowed us to open uh, or purchase a gun range here in Denver uh, in 2010. Um, bought a existing range that was kind of failing, and uh, you know, closed it down. Redid the ventilation, redid the target carrier, just a bunch of stuff. Uh, opened the gun store up again. Uh, I rebuilt the training program and a bunch of things and. We reopened, uh, you know, what is now the Blue Core Shooting Center in Denver um, uh, shortly after that. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, we kind of put together, you know, a good uh, a model there that focused on like range, obviously a range, uh, retail, and uh, and training, and uh, you know, had some really good training, still do, uh, and then a really nice uh, indoor range uh, and. You know, interestingly enough, the range we bought had a a hundred yard indoor rifle range, which, you know, now that I, now that I know better, I would never build that (laughs) because, because I know how much, you know, how much it costs to ventilate that much of an indoor range. (laughs) Um, But it's still pretty cool to have, right? Especially if you, you a lot of people hunt in Colorado and they, you know, they fly in and it's a great, you know, it's a great first stop to check your zero, at least at a hundred on, you know, before you head up to the mountains or, 
you know, for anyone just hunting anywhere, right? It's, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to find a place to get a hundred yard zero, uh, without like a significant chunk of land. So yep. uh, that's pretty handy. Well, I um, love that feature of your, of that range because you, you don't really, you don't, you don't have to worry about crosswinds or no, a lot of environmental, you know, differences affecting that zero. Like I, I can go in there and know it's the same condition every, every week, pretty much. And you can run your target out and then bring it back. And, you know, we have some spotting scopes there if you don't want to do that as often. Um, and it's rated, you know, up to 50 caliber. Uh, it's pretty rare that someone's shooting the 50 caliber indoors at a hundred yards, but you know, it happens. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. So I did, uh, yeah, sorry. I did that for a while. I worked at, uh, you know, at blue core shooting center as a kind of owner operator, primarily in charge of training. Uh, as well as marketing uh, stuff. And uh, along with my co-owner, uh, business partner, and former teammate, Sean. Uh, and then I think around August of 2014, I, I stepped down from, uh, from the day-to-day and um, took over as a CEO of a, a company called Strong First. And uh, Strong First is a... It's a strength and fitness education company, um, mostly known for our, uh, or now their kettlebell training. Um, it was founded by a guy named Pavel uh, Satsalin, who is really the, um, you know, to put it this way, the Russian dude who introduced the U.S. to kettlebells, right? So um, I got to run that training program. Well, I got to run that company as a CEO and got involved in, you know, essentially what is a training company uh, with about, I think, four or 5,000 instructors in 45 different countries. Uh, we did some big events and, uh, you know, I learned, uh, I learned a lot, you know, a lot from that in how to, you know, having, having curriculum that is um, standardized and taught the same at, at every event, regardless of who's teaching it. And uh, also having, um, you know, managing the, you know, a big group of instructors across, the, I would say, a geographically dispersed area. So not a firearms, you know, thing at all, but, you know, an education company and really learned a lot from that and, uh, you know, been, been able to use some of that now. Um, while I was there, I did some consulting for the NRA uh, due to a friend of mine. I got brought in to uh, help uh, write. Uh, build the first uh, version of the carry guard curriculum. And, uh, you know, after kind of building that curriculum uh, and being involved in that curriculum, I was, uh, you know, that kind of led to the, uh, you know, the NRA offering me a job as their director of education uh, and training. So um, I was really, uh, you know, very happy with my job at Strong First. I've always been into fitness and uh, I've always loved that that organization, but uh, the opportunity to get back in the firearms world, and um, also the opportunity to uh, you know affect such a, a an important thing like you know the NRA's training uh, in our country, and really just to work for the NRA uh, was you know certainly too good to refuse for me. Yeah. One thing, Eric, that uh, I'm curious about, and and I I would call this my first introduction to you, was the Night of the Saint. Yeah. uh, yeah. That was really cool. I really liked that program. Talk about kind of how that came together and and what happened there. Sure. Um, I I got hired to uh, 
essentially to teach some women how to uh, how to shoot an AR. Um, and some of them had, you know, experience and some did not. Um, and essentially Springfield was coming out with the Saint uh, AR-15, their first AR. And uh, they wanted to, you know, they wanted to kind of announce it in a way that hadn't been done. Right. And they had these, you know, these, you know, women going through this kind of training event and uh, it ended up being pretty cool. Uh, I got, I don't know. I don't know why I got the, you know, why I got the job. I think someone said, uh, you know, all the other seals look too tough and intimidating. And, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I, you know, if I should have taken that, you know, as a good thing or a bad thing, but, uh, you know, I took that, uh, <laughs> took the gig and, uh, you know, taught these, you know, this group of women, how to, we started on pistols, like any kind of two gun course and then uh, progressed to rifles. And it was really fun. We had, you know, women of you know all experience levels who we started from like just loading and making ready and working drills from like low ready and then progressing to kind of double taps and after you know after five days i had them doing vehicle bailout drills in the middle of the night right and working flashlights around barricades and just stuff like that it was a lot of fun hmm. yeah yeah, that was a cool program. I um, I, yeah. I I just thought it was clever. It was it was certainly a good marketing ploy for Springfield, uh, but it was also just a really fun thing, and it, that I really enjoyed. And yeah, you know, I'm glad I you took vacation. Up, I, I took vacation time to go do that when I was still in Springfield. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say anything about you being less intimidating. I, I might have mentioned that you don't have the required, you know, retired tactical beard. Right. But uh, yeah, not, the, you, you not said, the big, the full. Uh, Paul Bunyan look. Maybe, <laughs> Paul yeah. Bunyan, I love it. Yeah, I don't have you know all the tattoos, and I'm not as ripped as half of them. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this this is a very important job, and and obviously your timing is very was kind of you know. Uh, Interesting. I don't know. It was it, your timing was it was important relative to your to the NRA. You obviously uh, not coincidental because you were working on that curriculum for the carry guard curriculum right. uh, when you when you got the job or when they offered you the job. But talk a little bit about you know the carry guard curriculum. Generally speaking, I mean the NRA already had a ton of curriculum. They already had tons of instructors, sure. and you know one day it's like oh we have we have this new curriculum that's kind of got a different taste and flavor and it's going to be you know. It's different. So, what, what? How did that come to pass, or what was the point there? Yeah, and and a lot of those conversations happened before I was kind of brought on board. Sure, right? they, um, you know, they wanted to come up with, uh, you know, something a, a new and exciting kind of cutting edge training program. Um, and it, it wasn't, you know, it's not meant to replace any of the existing programs. It's just, it's just in addition to. Um, there are some certainly some similarities uh, between some of the stuff we do in carry guard and, you know, some of the other, some of the other training courses. Right. And, uh, you know, all of those conversations really did happen before I got brought on board. And then once I was got, you know, was on board, I just kind of, you know, we looked at everything we were doing. Um, uh, I, I noticed there's, you know, in the industry and now this is back then. And now like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of folks that are, and you know, they do a great job. They're kind of, you know, it's a defensive pistol class, right? And, um, you know, tactical belts and big drop leg holsters and, you know, like 10 mag pouches or whatever. And I, like, I think there's a place for that certainly. Uh, but we really wanted this to be about, you know, 
you know, that, that level of training, but done from concealment, um, and for the, you know, cause we're not all rolling around town with drop leg holsters <laughs> or, or whatever. Um, so also a very, you know, a big focus on, uh, you know, on the legal, uh, the use of force, uh, you know, in a, you know, a lethal encounter and the legal ramifications. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and really, you know, there's a bunch of different carry guard classes, uh, but all of them will, you know, focus a little bit on mindset, you know, attitude, uh, the legal ramifications and, you know, a thought, a process by which to, to make a decision and, um, you know, a little bit of discussion around gear and equipment tools uh, and then all the, you know, all the safety stuff, the weapons awareness stuff, the fundamentals, progression drills, things of that nature. Um, and then some low light shooting, some, you know, uh, some one hand shooting with both hands and just a bunch of different stuff. So, uh, you know, you, you can't, there's not enough time in a three day weekend to do all of that. Great. Uh, but there is enough time to expose people to all of that. And, and then they, you know, they leave with, not only with good training, but you leave with a, uh, you know, a realistic expectation of your skill level. Mm. Um, not just with, you know, a sterile environment on a range where you get to, you know, draw and shoot with two hands at three yards, but what happens when you have to do it with one hand, right. And, uh, it's dark or something like that. And you might have to move something like that. So yeah. it gives, you know, I think, I think training is super important, but it's also important for people to leave with the, you know, a, a kind of a score of where they really are. And, and that's another thing. We have a, a bunch of different tested courses of fire, uh, which serve kind of as data points. Right. Yep. So, uh, and, and the goal is to eventually put some of those, and we'll have some of those targets on our, on our website that people can buy. Um, and then they can, you know, download the scorecard and do the drill on their own and have like a data point. Right. Let's see how they're improving. And mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, you have to test it. Uh, and then obviously, uh, all of that with uh, some force on force training. So you're actually, uh, you know, or scenario training or whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, where you're taking some of these things and really practicing making decisions. Um, but also, you know, when you have that kind of artificial stressor, uh, you have a, a chance to see which, which ones are, which, which of your fundamentals are not, not yet ingrained at the kind of subconscious level, right? So uh, if you have to, you know, if you're in a, a simulated lethal force encounter, you have to draw and use your gun. And, uh, you know, we, we hope by then, you know, obviously it's not always the case, but we hope that your, your fundamentals are ingrained to the point where you're using that mental bandwidth to make that decision uh, versus talking your way through like, you know, front sight, you know, <laughs> find tension, check sight, squeeze, or whatever the, your talking points are. Mm -hmm. so. yeah. For fun, Eric, like what, uh, and I feel like I'm hogging the mic. Sorry, Riley. I know I keep jumping in, but I would love to hear like, what are one or two things you can, you seem to consistently see break down for shooters in that environment? Like, you know, the, if, if, if I could like give you the top secret information before you go into these force and force scenarios in this course, oh, yeah. you know, here'd be the two things that I virtually guarantee everyone does wrong. So watch for these two. Yeah, uh, you know, that's a good, I know for sure, um, like I, I can give one example off the top of my head. Yeah. Yeah. D drawing from concealment. Right. Um, 
we don't always, when we're doing, and we have, we have scenario training in our intermediate course. We also, there will be scenario training in the advanced course, uh, but there's a scenario only training course, right? So it's a full day of, you, know, you get some time in the classroom, you build some skill with some different drills with the, like a UTM gun. Uh, and then you go through some individual skill or technique drills, uh, and then you get put into scenarios, right? So one thing I've seen, um, and I'll, maybe I'll think of the other one as I'm talking, but one thing I've seen regularly is uh, just bobbled uh, draws from concealment, right? Uh, being able to, um, you know, to actually clear that garment and get the gun out correctly without getting it stuck on the garment um, or, you know, the shirt or the coat, whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. um, and doing it correctly. And, or someone, maybe, maybe someone doesn't practice doing that with one hand, right? Like we all practice with two hands, like we're clearing, you know, clearing left and drawing with right. And now all of a sudden, you know, we, we put them in a scenario where they're like holding someone or they have, they have to grab something with their left hand or whatever. Right. And now they have to, they're like, they haven't practiced how to clear with one hand and draw. Um, so that, you know, that's, that's one example. And, and if we're putting people close to each other, like bobbling your draw for like an extra half second, you know, or let alone a second, right? Like people can cover a lot of distance quickly in that period of time. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So that's pretty eye-opening. Um, yeah, good example. Um, I, you know, as I, I've seen that one regularly. I'm trying to think of. Uh, oh, you're fine. You uh, know, oh, I think... One other one. Is oh, sure. We give them. You know, we t- we try to teach people like, hey, if you're involved in this, right? Here's your script, right? If someone like, you know, you need to you, you need to know what to say. You can't, you know, because after after something like that. Uh, if you just start talking, A, you don't remember what happened all the way or, or correctly, and B, you get yourself in trouble, right? Um, and you, you want to make sure, you know, you say the right thing. And people, you know, will we'll play some of the scenarios all the way out to where we make them like, all right, you just got involved in a, you know, a lethal force encounter, or, you know, or whatever, you just drew your gun. Um, now you got to call the cops, make them call the cops, right? And just kind of go... Because like, we all go and train on a gun range, but how often do you, you know, if you have someone, you know, a role player who's fallen, you know, fallen down because he's been, you know, engaged, and now you're going through like finding cover, um, mm-hmm. calling the cops, and what do you say on the phone? And and people know this is going to happen, and they still screw that up, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's very easy to do because who practices that? That's not like it's really sexy to, you know, get your split time down, but like, it's not super exciting <laughs> to practice that. <laughs> sure. Sure. And that's a great example. Um, it, and I think you hit on that. And the same thing with the drawing from consumer, right? There's just a lack of opportunity for people to practice those things. Uh, well, you know, and, and, and there you really isn't, there shouldn't be. I, I, every day, um, when I'm leaving the house, whatever, whatever, whatever clothing configuration I have, whatever gun, whatever holster, uh, I try to get at least 10 draws. Um, so I don't want to do, you know, one of our things is frequency is better than duration, right? So I want to do fewer reps more often than like, oh, I haven't trained in three months. Maybe I'll just go do a hundred draws or I'll go shoot a case of ammo. Uh, I'd rather, you know, I'd rather shoot a box of 50 every other week or something like that. And, and 
by the way, I don't. I own a gun range and there's a gun range in the basement of my office at headquarters and I still don't manage to shoot every week. So <laughs> I try. Anyway, um, frequency is better than duration. And with draws, like I have, uh, uh, like if, if you're uncomfortable doing like a dry draw with what, you know, with your actual firearm safely, I, like I have a blue gun, I'll practice it. Right. Um, so it's a, it's just one thing you can do. Uh, and I've noticed if I do, if I do 10 a day every week and then I make it to the range that week, my draws are, they're just much better. Cause I just have that, you know, if muscle memory is the right term, I have that. Yeah. Yeah. That's fresh. Totally. Oh, we've, we've, we've definitely talked about that many times on the podcast, as far as take advantage of those opportunities. Like even if it's the beginning of the day, as you're getting ready for the day and you're getting ready to put a gun on, you know, in a holster on you somewhere, you know, take, doesn't even take a minute and do several reps. Right. Um, or you're putting the gun away at the end of the day, you know, clear it, make it safe, whatever, do a few more reps and then put it away. Right. You know I mean? It's, there's so many opportunities and people don't probably recognize those opportunities or they're not thinking about taking advantage of those opportunities or, or even understand how important those opportunities are just to, just to keep a few, you know, just, just to kind of keep those, those edges not so rough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's better, you know, it's better to do uh, like 10 really good reps than let's say you're doing like a hundred and the reps at the end, you're kind of slow because you're tired or whatever. And this is fitness or anything, yeah. right? If you get 10 quality reps, that's, I mean, that's much better, right? It's not about, it's not about the number of reps. It's about, or the quantity, right? It's the quality, right? And that, you know, oh, that felt good, right? So. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Um, so a question, uh, as you were talking about carry guard, uh, some of the pro, some of the training that, that that program offers. Uh, I, I liked that you touched on the fact that it's really intended to be more geared around everyday carry as far as doing it from concealment, doing it with, you know, not necessarily with 10 mags on your belt or whatever. Right. Right. Um, and, and that's, you know, that aligns very much with, I think our own philosophy here in our company. And that's something that I like to see is students show up with their gear, their daily gear with the way they are typically set up and right. see them go through a training course like that. Um, but one thing that we've, you know, that, that I think we we still struggle with a little bit is how to manage um, classes. And so I'm, I would like to hear your thoughts on this, where you've got somebody that shows up with a six or seven shotgun, you right. know, you know, ultra compact, and the guy, you know, down the line that's totally cool with carrying a Glock 17. You know, right. so like that's, that's sometimes a challenge to manage 20 that. round magazine or whatever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now, well, first of all, I, I don't, the lessons you, the, the drills you do and the reps you do with your outside the waistband holster and your external magazine pouches, those, those translate, they do. Right. So if you're going to use those on the, especially if you're a beginner, right? Like working through those, getting those good reps, you know, with an outside of the waistband holster at three o'clock, that's absolutely the way to start. And there's, and I never carry that way. You know, I don't open carry, but there's still times where I'll do, you know, my range time with, with, with that setup, just because I just want to, right. I'm still, 
I'm still having to do a presentation. I still got to get a good site alignment and I still have to work, work a trigger and get a follow through, right? All those things apply. The draw might be slightly different, but maybe that day I'm not focusing on the draw, right? Like I said, I focus on the draw every day when I get 10 reps. Um, but as far as the, I guess, as far as pace of class, uh, that's always been a challenging one. And, uh, not only because of equipment, um, um, skill level is always a challenging one, right? You'll have, you have some people say that, uh, you know, they've done course X, Y, and Z. They're supposedly, you know, this good and, uh, you know, they're falling behind. Right. Um, uh, and you'll have other, and, and it's not, there's, it, you know, we're, there's nothing wrong with that for, for that person. We want that, you know, we welcome that person. We just want to give a good experience to the, uh, the person who is slightly more advanced. Right. So yeah. right. that's why we have, you know, a basic and intermediate and an advanced course. And we're, we're doing better about getting people in the right classes. Um, but as far as the gear goes, um, all of the, you know, all of the tests, all of the timed tests are uh, either six rounds or less. So someone can't, because we recognize people are going to, they're going to have revolvers, right? Or subcompacts or really small guns, right? So there are a couple of drills that are, um, uh, or tested drills that are eight rounds. But even if someone has like a Glock 17, they have to load up with six and do a reload, mm. right? So, and our approach really is, you know, bring the gun that you're comfortable with uh, and use that gun and go through this training. And uh, maybe just maybe you might decide that's not the best gun later on. Like you are at a disadvantage, Um, you know, buy a, buy a full size gun and buy clothes that fit it. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. You are at a disadvantage if you don't. Now I carry a, you know, a Glock 43 or a, a, a P365 from time to time because I have to. Uh, if I have the opportunity, though, I want to, you know, I want to build my lifestyle around a, you know, really a full size gun or, or at least a, like a compact versus subcompact, right? Sure. And uh, for a lot of people, it's a learning point. Like you kind of go through these drills and uh, you're like, oh man, that was actually kind of hard. You know, this little gun that I love to carry doesn't shoot so well. Uh, and, and, you know, that being said, you know, the best ability is availability. And if you have a little gun and you'll carry it more often, then that's what you have, right? The, you know, the fastest race gun in the world that's on your nightstand and never with you, right? Or in the gun safe, never with you is, you know, it's, is worthless if you need it and it's not on. You. So it's just all a balance really. Mm-hmm. And we yeah. bring, you know, we bring extra holsters, um, from time to time, you know, we'll have like a couple extra guns just in case, you know, someone has, you know, maintenance problems with a gun. Uh, and we have, you know, we have a drill, a tested drill where people will use their carry gun and some, um, you know, we want them to shoot like uh, the, the course of fire is uh, on a special target shooting defensive ammo. And uh, we want to see how their chosen, you know, sidearm handles their their purchased defensive ammo and how it performs in that drill. Like you're not shooting it all weekend. The rest of the weekend you're shooting, you know, cheaper range ammunition, but there has not been one course yet where when someone is shooting their carry gun with their defensive ammo, where they realize like it doesn't feed, right? Mm -hmm. Like they, we have regular malfunctions, people doing that. So that has been a really, you know, that's been a big eye opener for Mm -hmm. some. 
I That's love awesome. that. Yeah, yeah. Great idea. Cause yeah. uh, to, to your point, it's just, I mean, it could be that I'd love to believe that, uh, you know, our, our average armed citizen out there goes and buys some defensive ammo, some hollow points, whatever. And they've at least tested the gun with, the, you know, with a mag or two, but, but that's probably not happening as often as we'd like to believe. And even if it does happen, you know, is, is one, a, a mag or two really indicative, right? That, that, that gun is going to function all the time. So we've had this conversation. Riley makes fun of me because <laughs> I have a policy when I go to the range that I shoot, I shoot the the defensive ammo that's in the gun. I make fun of you for that. Yeah, you do. You you said that that was way too much hollow points, way too much cost. Well, you you're cheapskate. Oh, come I on, spent, no, you. I spent too much. No, that that is you. You are misquoting me, sir. That perhaps is true, but I, I, I think, think all that, I said is I don't do it as often as you do. But that's fair okay. enough. Fair enough. But Eric's point is super valid. And so I think you know, for anyone who's listening to this right now, you might ask yourself, when was the last time? Uh, that I, I put some haul points to the gun or my whatever I carry, right? My carry ammo. So I, I that's, a, that's a great idea, Eric. That's that's a great insight. Yeah, I I think I do that. I do that myself. Uh, I show up at the you know at the range. Uh, I have you know my I'm coming in there with my gun you know concealed, ready to go. Uh, I like to do a, a tested course of fire, right? Cold. Um, uh, just get that you know, that data point and that artificial stressor either on the time or, you know, or at distance or something, depending on what the range allows. Mm -hmm. And then kind of go, you know, I usually shoot at least a box, right. Doing that like a magazine plus um, maybe two, depending on what I'm carrying. And then, uh, then I'll kind of go through um, like my own kind of progression covering all the different, you know, techniques I think I need to do regularly uh, once I've done that, I'll kind of like choose one to um, uh, to focus on. Maybe you know, shooting with my using my left hand only or something like that. Uh, focus on that for a few rounds, a few courses of fire, and then like to end it on. Uh, I really love to end a range training session on like s- like slow, accurate fire, right? Where I so my last reps are. You know, really good sight pictures and uh, really good trigger squeezes. And, you know, if I do those things right, I'll have good results on target. Uh, and then kind of load up and uh, I'm, you know, back with defensive ammo or go buy some more and <laughs> uh, I'm ready to roll. And that way I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm very intentional when I train, right? I'm not just, um, I'm not just going there to, you know, shoot as much ammo as I can. Now, as a gun range owner, I like it when people do that. Um, but you know, in, in reality, like I want, you know, I want people, you know, to do, you know, to have some intention behind their training, you know, it's not, it's not just that, you know, that rule of 10,000 hours, which is, you know, a rule, but it's the kind of hours, right. It's the kind of, it's the type of reps you're getting, not just the quantity. Yeah. Good thoughts there. Um, a couple of things I wanted to make sure we, we touch on Eric, uh, NRA carry guard. Um, it's, we, we've been paying attention, you know, as it's kind of, you know, gone from birth, from conce- conception and birth and all that, like, like it's starting to mature a little bit now. Uh, you're a little, what, a little more than a year in, I think. Um, yeah. And uh, so could you touch on 
you know, kind of some of that evolution of the program, kind of where it began, maybe sure. some of the growing pains that you've gone through and kind of like where you're getting it to now, uh, what, what people can expect when they're attending a carry guard course. Yeah, of course. Um, we, uh, so we launched at annual meeting, uh, not, not this year, but last year. And uh, so we celebrated one year essentially uh, at this year's annual meeting. And originally we had what was, you know, the idea was to have a carry yard level one and then eventually launch and then sort of launch a level two, maybe a level three later on. And uh, one of the things we learned um, was that our level one was pretty advanced for some folks, right? And um, some people, uh, you know, it's a three-day class. You're outside in the elements, you're standing most of the day. There's some moving and shooting, maybe even some kneeling, right? Uh, definitely some kneeling um, and definitely some, you know, just, just a lot of stuff going on, right? Yeah. Uh, and for most people, uh, that's not a level one class. And it was confusing. So um, we, we also realized to, to make it uh, as, you know, we want this to be, uh, you know, effective. It is a very efficient use of someone's time, right? Because we cover so much stuff. Uh, but we're never going to reach as many people as we should or could if we don't make an indoor-friendly version, right? So those are a couple of the... Uh, the different things we learned, you know, in that first year, right? Running at least one course a month for a year and just kind of, you know, kind of rolling it out a little slower than some of the other, um, you know, some of the other training programs. And uh, um, along the way, we decided that we were going to, you know, change things up a little bit and it will keep changing, right? We'll keep, uh, you know, evolving what, you know, the program and making it as good as you know, as good as we can, we're not going to change just for the sake of change, but we are going to make change when, uh, you know, when it makes sense. Um, so we came out this year or we launched at uh, annual meeting this year, uh, the next kind of version of carry guard, which is, uh, we have a basic and intermediate and advanced course and then a scenarios only course. And how long are each of those courses are? How many, how many days? Absolutely. Yeah. The, uh, so the basic is uh, anywhere from a day and a half to two days, depending on the uh, pace of the student. And it's indoor friendly, right? So the drills and the skills are, are suitable for an indoor range. Um, Meaning like less movement? Is yeah, that what less, I'm hearing? Less movement, less multiple target drills, um, no movement forward of the firing line. So you can do it from the tables and stalls, um, things, you know, things like that. And uh, it's, you know, it's, it's the same fundamentals, right? It's the same material. It's just less comprehensive, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. you, you know, those who have taken basic and gone on to take intermediate, uh, will see like, it is the same thing. It's just not as in depth. Right. Um, so, uh, being able to do it indoors, uh, helps us reach a lot more people with this message. And, uh, you know, we've, you know, it's hard to find a lot of outdoor ranges if you know near LA and New York and some of the bigger population centers, right? So, um, and you know, for some people, like they don't want to spend three days, right, a full weekend doing it. So it's slightly less expensive. It's in you know, it's indoor. It's less time. Con you know, it's less of a time commitment. Uh, and every one that we've you know, every basic course we've launched has sold out pretty quickly. 
Uh, and then we have Terry Gart Intermediate, which is a three-day event, which is, it's essentially identical to what level one was. So we realized our level one course was not a beginner course or not a basic course. So we put something in front of it, called it basic, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Terry Gart Intermediate is, it's a three-day event. Uh, it's going to be outdoors, right? It's going to be, it's going to build off of what you learned in basic, uh, it is not mandatory that you go to carry guard basic to go to carry guard intermediate, but you will have to have gone to some form of training prior to, mm-hmm. and uh, our instructors can, you know, talk to a student and find out if they're, you know, if they're suitable for it. Um, and that carry guard intermediate, it's a combination of classroom and range. And uh, obviously I mentioned there's some force on force training or some scenario training at the end. Um Carry Guard Advance, which is not yet has not yet been launched, be launched, I think later this year or early next year. Uh, it's going to be just a step up from uh, intermediate, right? Um, so in Carry Guard Intermediate, we do start um, outside of the waist uh, on the holster, right? Uh, we eventually progress to everything being done. Um, sorry, we progress to everything being done from concealment. Right. So if someone wants to run an outside of the waistband holster in a cover garment, they can do that. A lot of people will want to do it like in the summer with, you know, inside the waistband and a T-shirt. Right. So carry guard advanced uh, is everything is from concealment. Right. There's more moving. There will be more moving and shooting. Um, There will be, you know, a lot more low light stuff, a lot more one hand stuff, you know, both right or either right or left handed. Um, more um, movement to cover and how to use cover. Um, all of these things are discussed. And uh, in some cases you get to do some drills in intermediate, but you just can't get as deep as you want. Uh, so the advanced will be essentially all the fundamentals, being able to do all the fundamentals, but like more of a focus on moving um, and being able to do it all with one hand and especially low light and uh, to barricades. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the scenarios course, which is a one day event that's already live. Uh, that is um, an opportunity to, you know, practice uh, those certain skills and test them in scenarios. Right. And uh, we really think this is, you know, we just had one here last weekend and uh you know, it's really, uh, I think a very, very important training tool and, um, it doesn't replace live fire, uh, but it's a great way to augment it and, uh, test your decision-making, right. Uh, and your ability to, uh, you know, to execute your fundamentals under, you know, an artificially artificial stress environment. Right. So Mm -hmm. having actually having, having someone run at you with a knife, even though you know it's going to happen and we say go, we still see people like get, you know, very stressed out by that. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what we have now. I'm going to, I'm going to tangent us for a minute because sure. you mentioned low light, Eric, and I would love to hear um, some additional thoughts there. Cause I think there's some debate in the industry you know, for the average daily armed citizen, you know, do you, do you carry with a light? Do you not carry with a light? Weapon mounted right. light, handheld light. Right. Um, Always have a handheld light. Come on, man. 
<laughs> we okay. We got Riley's opinion. Uh, so I would love to hear just kind of your thoughts. You know, when people come to that environment, when you do low light. Uh, yeah. do you, are you guys looking for a very specific kind of loadout or methodology, or is it sort of, hey, you know, depending on how a person carries or what they might be, you know, what, how they what they want to do? Well, uh, one thing we try to to do is not be very dogmatic, right? Like our like we're not invested in our own ideas. We're more we're invested in the best idea, right? So. Someone can say, like, I do this drill because of that. If it makes sense, we might even, you know, we might add it to our curriculum. Um, me personally, I think you should have a handheld flashlight. Um, and in certain circumstances, it might make sense to have both, uh, both a handheld and a weapon mounted light. Um, I can say, you know, one of the, you know, I, I, it's obviously easier to shoot your gun at night with a weapon mounted light because you can use two hands, right? The challenge is when you're scanning or when you're, you know, identifying friend or foe, you're pointing a gun at someone. So I, I don't mind having, having both in some cases, if, you know, if it's a compact, like a Glock 19 or a, you know, a, a compact P three twenty or something like that, that has a rail and you can, actually mount a little light on it like the little you know the new little surefire lights are so small they're not mm -hmm. like the old huge weapon lights right mm -hmm. and uh, the only i think the only thing i've noticed is i don't love when i'm doing regular like reps like draws and shooting i don't love how uh, my gun is like the positive retention with my light is not as good as like when it doesn't have it is that I think the retention is more around the light when as mm -hmm. the other one, it's like got something around the trigger guard and some other things. Right. So you yeah. just got to know your equipment, know your limitations. And if you're carrying, uh, if you're carrying a, a handheld light, be able to shoot with it. Right. And if you have a weapon mounted light, obviously know how to identify a friend or foe without pointing your weapon at someone. And yep. uh, we actually teach both. Right. So if someone has both, we show them how to do both. We give them the pros and cons of, of a weapon mounted light, of a handheld light, and of both. And we teach a number of different techniques. How do you use that one hand? You know, how do you, you know, hold that light? What are the pros and cons of holding it next to you versus away from you and all these different sort of things? Uh, and you know, scanning with that light and you know, using it, you know, using your weapon mounted light should you need it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The correct answer is always both. <laughs> yes. Well, the correct answer in the Navy, we would say is uh the situation in the train will dictate. Yeah, yeah. We have a question from a viewer on Facebook. Uh, he asks, uh, actually, I got to scroll back up. Uh, do you guys offer home defense training, i.e. single man room clearing, et cetera? Yeah, um, we don't really get into CQB in uh, or room clearances in basic or intermediate. Uh, there's some thought about doing some of that in uh, in advanced in the advanced uh, class, but um, we haven't done it yet. Um, we it just people ask me all the time, like you know, if someone breaks into your house, what do you do? do you, like you think, oh, you're a seal, you must go around your house doing CQB, right? Like chasing the bad guy down. And I mean, I I'm typically more worried about defending my family if that would happen and yeah. you know getting to a point where i can defend everybody 
and, you know, establishing like, you know, a point of domination and having my wife call the cops. Um, I don't necessarily want to run around the house, you know, looking for him if I can do it that way. Now that's in certain circumstances, but long winded answer. Uh, we're certainly thinking about, you know, doing some you know, basic, uh, you know, doorway techniques and clearing corners and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for the Good answer. Idea. Hey, so we're getting uh, down on time. We, uh, just so everyone knows, Eric's got to take off at six o'clock, uh, sharp. So just a couple minutes here. We still got a couple things I got to ask you. Um, yeah. at the NRA meeting this year, you guys launched, uh, the, uh, CCW course. Can you touch on that real briefly? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, this, this course is, uh, it's pretty, uh, pretty cool course for us. Um, you know, the number, the number of states now that, it, you know, acknowledge our right to self-protection, uh, is really at an all time high. And, uh, the number of permits being issued by those states is, it just keeps growing. And, uh, the NRA instructors, the NRA trainers, they've asked us to, you know, kind of build a course that prepares people to responsibly carry a firearm. Uh, concealed and meets the legal requirements in their specific states. And uh, this NRA CCW course does both of those, right? Mm. Um, the, you know, rewind to carry guard really quick. Carry guard is designed for someone with a permit, right? It, it's, it's more advanced. If you don't have a permit, right. And you're not really, it's not for you yet. Like get your permit, shoot a little bit more and then come take a carry guard class. Um, NRA CCW, if someone doesn't have a permit, we'll refer them to that. And uh, it's designed by, you know, by NRA instructors, for NRA instructors. The curriculum is modulated. Uh, so the instructor has the ability to teach only the portions that are needed for their state's permitting process if they want. They can teach extra if they want. And depending on the state you're in, the course can be anywhere from two hours to 16. Um, so the, the interesting thing is... Uh, you know, when an, when an instructor gets certified in this credential and they register in a certain state, it populates what they need to teach. And when they're doing their certificates, uh, what they goes up on the student's certificates. So when a student goes to take that certificate to apply for his or her permit, uh, in some, in some municipal or in some counties, they want to know exactly what was covered. Well, that actually is shown on the certificate, right? Mm. Um, and in some states, so some states have a, a non-NRA legal brief that you have to do. And if you're doing a, if you're doing the NRA CCW in, I think it like Ohio as an example, that legal in the instructor portal that populates in there. So you have it as an instructor, it's right there. Uh, and some states have their, some states don't have a, speci a specified course of fire. So we provide one. And some states actually do have a specified uh, course of fire. So if you're teaching in a state that has a required course of fire, it will populate like, hey, I registered this class in this state. It gives you the course of fire. Uh, so the instructor, um, you know, the instructor has all of that without having to figure it out. And they're teaching this, you know, this kind of vetted curriculum and should something happen and, you know, they... You know, one of their students goes and does something and they ask, well, you know, who trained you and what did you learn? Like they have, you know, the legal protection, like, hey, they did exactly what they're supposed to do there. 
right? And an instructor, by the way, there's states where they, it's only a two-hour requirement. Um, the instructor has the option, if he wants, to do a little extra stuff there if they want, sure. right? Um, so to me, it's like it's incredibly valuable for a student because some students just want to they just want what they can do to meet the requirements to apply for their permit. Um, but they also need to you know, be prepared for the responsibility of carrying. So this really meets both of those. And it's the same, it's really the same uh, credential for the instructor. And uh, the course itself will be different depending on where it's taught. Um, so really, uh, in a way, universal yet specific. That's awesome, man. I'm excited yeah. to see, you know, uh, the changes that are occurring, you know, within the training division, the NRA and, uh, you know, I'll, any, anytime I hear the word modularity, I get, <laughs> I, you know, I like that because, right. you know, I mean, I think that's always better than just locking you into one. There's, there's never one perfect solution for every person or every situation. So. Oh, absolutely not. Um, cool. Absolutely not. So just real quick, because uh, it's about it's basically time to let you go. What do you got coming up here with uh, Carry Guard? Um, you know, any events, training opportunities? Like, give us a quick preview on that. Yep. Um, let me see. We have uh, we have our. I think we have like three different classes a month going through August already listed. We should be listing September and October really soon. Uh, we're just kind of you know, getting the, the next few ranges, uh, the agreements in place. Um, right now there would be a, a basic and an intermediate and a scenarios course each month. Uh, so those should be, should be showing up soon. Most of the classes we have through August, I believe are sold out with the possible exception of the intermediate class here in Denver, which is in August. Mm. Um, but we have a big, uh, we have our second uh, carry guard expo in Richmond this summer uh, in Richmond, Virginia. And it's uh, September 14th, 15th, and 16th. And uh, we have a lot of, uh, a lot of great vendors, um, a lot of uh, great educational events and um, uh, training events. And last year in our inaugural um, expo, carry guard expo, we had over 15,000 in attendance and, uh, if you show up at the expo, you can, uh, you know, there's some of the classes that are free of charge and some of them that will be, you know, like anywhere from 25 to a hundred bucks, right. Depending on who's teaching and what it is and yeah. everything from, you know, legal aspects of concealed carry to, you know, specific issues that are out, you know, like helping women shoot or, um, uh, you know, even an edged weapons seminar, low light shooting, um, there'll be some outsiders, obviously, a, a bunch of different outsiders presenting, uh, a bunch of NRA staff, and then a bunch of the, you know, some of our carry guard uh, instructors doing various, uh, various things, whether it's fundamentals or like a, like a one hour seminar on low light shooting or something like that. Yeah. Fantastic. Last we'll, year's, and we'll see you there. Yeah. Yeah. Last year's Absolutely. event was great. Me and, me and Riley enjoyed that in, in uh, Milwaukee. It was a good event had a great time there, a lot of good vendors. And so I'm sure this year it's going to be bigger and better and awesomer. And so, well, we hope. Uh, yeah. And so for those who are looking for this information, obviously you could Google it, but nracarryguard.com to find uh, the training. You can kind of follow that through and find the basic, the intermediate uh, classes and the schedule for the expo. nracarryguardexpo.com has all the information for the event and you can, you can find them there. Awesome. 
Well, Eric, we know you, we know you got to go, so uh, you you are free to go, man. But uh, for for those viewing on Facebook Live, just know that in basically an hour, we're going to have Eric back for our Guardian Nation monthly broadcast. So 7 p.m. Mountain Time, we'll get that kicked off, and so we'll see you back here in just a little less than an, than an hour, Eric. And Perfect. if you guys aren't a Guardian Nation member to get signed up, you can still get signed up and you can still get access uh, here within the next hour. So anyway, thank you, Eric. We appreciate you uh, doing the podcast with us today. We'll see you soon. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. So that wraps it up here. Um, pretty good stuff, right? I mean, it's, it's pretty cool to see. I think we live in a special time, uh, Jacob, where we've got so many awesome opportunities out there in the industry for training. Uh, you know, I mean, there's been great opportunities out there for a long time, but I think the the variety, the availability, um, you know, it's coming closer to people all the time. You know, it used to be that, I mean, you had gun sight, maybe you had Thunder Ranch, maybe you had Front Sight, maybe you had a couple other academies where you might travel to and take some quality courses. But what I'm seeing with things like NRA Carry Guard and, you know, and, and other organizations out there, they're, they're bringing a lot more training, I think, closer to the masses. Yeah, that's true. And I, I think that we see lots of organizations like the NRA trying to solve the problems that we see in the industry. And, and so it's exciting. It's exciting that there's more opportunities to get things and that they're coming to you. It's also exciting, I think, for instructors, you know, for anyone out there who's listening to this, who, if you're an instructor, man, you have a such a better plethora of opportunity today than you did 10 years ago in terms of getting certified to teach different things uh, that, you know, to whatever your heart's desire might be. So yeah, it's, it's an exciting time for sure. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because I, I feel, you know, um, you know, we're creating our own in, uh, curriculum that sort of competes in a way. I mean, that's one way of looking at it, that uh, what we're doing competes with the NRA, maybe competes with the USDCA, maybe competes with other organizations out there. You could look at it that way, or you could look at it as each organization, each curriculum, like there's all, they all have something to offer. And I think it's really prudent on us as gun owners and as self-defense minded individuals to expose ourselves to a lot of different uh, instructors, philosophies, curriculums, you know, because I, I I just think as shooters and as instructors, that helps us all be a little bit more well-rounded. Yeah, for me, I look at it and I say, you know, the more stuff that's out there, whether you want to think of it as competition or not, the better, because that means there's more people are going to have opportunities to learn and get better. So the, the real initial message is do something. Yeah. Right. Do something beyond your your permit class, whatever. Like do do something. And the next message is you're never done. Yep. And so if if we can if we can communicate, hey, do something. And then when people do something, then we can communicate to them, hey, FYI, you're never done. This is the beginning of a lifelong journey. There's always more training you can get. There's always more insight, perspective, and ideas. Then that's ultimately what this industry is about. And I think people like Eric are making that a lot easier for for so many people to understand and, and for us all to progress and get better. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing just about Eric Frohart and the NRA and his new in his position there. Um, that I that I thought was interesting. When I learned that he was hired in, into that position, I really saw that as sort of a the NRA brought an outsider in to their education and training department to really 
you know, improve things there, you know, kind of makes make some some big changes, I think, uh, to lead the direction as far as his curriculum is concerned. And I, I thought that was a good thing, you know, to bring somebody that's really, like I said, kind of an outsider. They weren't a part of the NRA, you know, mega machine <laughs> from the get-go that kind of came up through the ranks. Uh, and I, I think Eric's got some really good ideas. I think he's got a great perspective. He definitely has a very interesting and unique background. Um, and, and, and it's it's cool just to see what, what, what he's got going on there. So we wish him the best, uh, confident he'll succeed, and look forward to seeing him at the NRA Carry Guard Expo. But we will be seeing him back here virtually in about 52 minutes for the June GN Live broadcast. So you're not going to want to miss that. Um, if, Like I said, if you're a GN member, we hope that you'll come right back and uh, you log into your to the members portal or dashboard on the website. Uh, Jacob, can you explain really fast where they find the uh, info for getting into the uh, the broadcast? You're muted, bud. <laughs> Thank you. So, if you're an existing member, just go to guardiannation.com, and in the top right hand corner it says existing members. You can hover over that. You can log in, you can go directly to GN Live, and you can find the link there, the special member-only link to join that broadcast uh, tonight at 7 p.m. For those of you who are not members yet and want to have access to that so you can chime in, ask questions, talk to Eric, simply go to GuardianNation.com, click Join Now, and you'll get immediate access as soon as you finish uh, signing up and subscribing to Guardian Nation. If you're listening to this and you know it, it's already too late, which is likely, right. uh, most of you who are listening to this, you're like, well, I wish I'd known about that in advance. We do obviously send out a bunch of emails and things, but you should know that we record every single broadcast at Guardian Nation Live. They're all in the members area. The last year and a half or two years, however many years worth of Guardian Nation Live broadcasts we've been doing, they're all recorded. They're all in there. And it, there's a huge value. If you're a member of Guardian Nation, you haven't gone and watched all those recordings, man, you're missing out. I remember one time we had a member uh, who sent us a message after it, and he said something effective. Man, attending these Guardian Nation live broadcasts is by itself makes the membership worth it. And often when we run into members at events, you know, SHOT Show or the NRA annual meetings, and we ask them, what's your favorite benefit of membership live? Uh, what's your favorite membership benefit of Guardian Nation? Uh, I'd say at least 60% of the time, the number one thing we hear are those live broadcasts. People love them. So make sure that you get access to Guardian Nation so you can you can attend those. And if you missed it, certainly know that uh, you can always find the information about the next one uh, in the members area, and you can find the recordings of all the past broadcasts. Yeah. Hey, Rob here comments that GN is very worthwhile. And for you, Rob, I got a little something special with your name on it coming your way very soon. Just a little tease. So, And other GN members. It's not just you, but... Uh, yeah, you've hit, you've hit that one year mark. I actually hit it a couple months ago. We're just getting the annual thank yous sent out. So uh, I'm super excited for tonight. We'll see uh, Eric back here in just a bit. Um, today's episode, by the way, was brought to you by the Concealed Carry Gun Tools app. Uh, I've got it here on my phone, pulling it up, and this thing is it is the bomb. <laughs> uh, I, I I can go right here right now. I mean, we're going to be traveling to Virginia, Jacob, and I for the NRA Carry Guard Expo, and I, I'll be honest, I don't squat about Virginia gun law. Uh, I know a little bit about their permitting system, 
because we we help people you know figure out how to get uh, permits, non-resident permits from from Virginia all the time. But I can just pull up right here on the phone the legal summary for. Virginia, as far as like, what's the law on open carry, duty to notify law enforcement, state parks, restaurants serving alcohol, firearms at colleges, at firearms at K-12 schools, magazine capacity limitations, suppressors, vehicle possession by a non-permittee. Uh, just, I mean, that's only like a, a quarter of what's in that legal summary. So just at a glance, a ton of very valuable information, all available for free on the Concealed Carry Gun Tools app. I would encourage you to check it out. If you're not using it already, download it on your phone today. Uh, you can go to concealedcarry.com forward slash app to learn more about the app and also figure out, there, there's links there. You, you can hit the appropriate link and it'll take you to where you need to, 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 to download the app. So there you go. So with that, we'll wrap this up. Thank you, Jacob. Appreciate uh, you doing this with me today, and we'll see you again here very shortly. Thank and, you, Riley. And a big thank you to Eric uh, Frohart for uh, being a, a willful participant. We didn't have to you know, curse him too hard to do the, do the podcast with us today, so we appreciate him. Uh, here we go. We'll just sign off and remind you to train right, train, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care, everyone. that laws vary from place to place and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.